Hello and welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings Podcast, the podcast for curious meeting professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Neves, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings, and in this episode I have the pleasure of speaking with Genevieve Leclerc, the co-founder and CEO of Meet for Impact. She created Meet for Impact in 2019 with the vision of transforming the business tourism industry by generating a movement to create positive social impact. Today, Meet for Impact trains professionals and supports destination marketing organizations in defining, managing, measuring, and communicating the societal impacts of their activities. In the podcast, we talk about things like how working with impact starts with questioning the destination selection process. Why societal impact includes everything, including sustainability, DEI, legacy, etc the link between social innovation and the impact of business events. How impact is what links short-term KPIs and outcomes to long-term change. And why stories are so important to communicate qualitative impact. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast. You can find them on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me Genevieve Leclerc, the um, CEO and co-founder of Meet for Impact. Genevieve, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Miguel, for inviting me. So Genevieve, um, I know a little bit about your business, a little bit about your work, but I'd love to kind of hear the backstory. I'd love to start uh, wherever you want to start, but I always like to understand where you um, came across or how you became aware of business events and the events industry um, to start off with, and then how you kind of went on this journey to form this company that you have now. Um, okay. So I am an anthropologist by trade. Um, nothing was um, steering me towards business events at all. Uh, I was working, I'm Canadian, French-Canadian. I studied in Ottawa and Montreal. And as I was finishing my studies, my dad, always very involved in all kinds of different things, was involved in a program committee for a World Congress. Um, that was the IUCN, so the Conservation of Nature World Congress. And uh, he happened at some point to tell the PCO who he was working with that he had a daughter that could, you know, work on conferences. And I was hired for a summer um, and never left. So that was my foray into business events. That was 26 years ago. Um, so I worked for that PCO for 16 years, JPDL, um, one of the largest Canadian PCOs. Um, and that's where I kind of went to the business events school. Very quickly um, was interested in the conference side of things and not so much in the corporate side of things. 
um, and very quickly started challenging myself. In, in I was very curious about what was behind these events. Um, so started working with all kinds of associations, um, got involved in um, understanding how we can make these conferences greener. 17 years ago, basically started working on sustainability in 2005. Um, I was involved in the, in the ISO, you know, the different standards. I was involved in local standards. So I was very, very interested very quickly as to how we could make these conferences better, greener, um, more purposeful. Um, and then I, so after these 16 years, went to work on the other side, as we say, was hired by a client and became director of Congress for an international association, uh, TTS, the Transplantation Society. So I did that for five years. Um, in 2017, um, decided to go on on my own, a bit out of frustration that things were not advancing very fast. I was, um, I was facing a situation where I felt people wanted things to change as long as they remained exactly the same. Um, and I was, I was asking questions at that time. I was asking questions about why were we taking meetings to places where they obviously didn't really need us? Um, and why weren't we taking meetings to places where they did need us? Um, and it felt like the decision-making process around destination selection was all about hygienics and, and who's got big things and grand things and who's got strong communities. And we had a specific instance where we had a, a country that was bidding for us who didn't have these things, but made a very clear proposal of why we should take our meeting there. Um, and I think that was the first time that I really started thinking about this and started thinking about why are we taking meetings to places and what kind of change can we affect these meetings? So I would say that that was probably the first seed of Meet for Impact years before I actually started um, working on, on researching this and then developing a, a business project. Fascinating. So um, when was this, th this first kind of questioning, I guess? Around 2014, something like this, um, where we, I was involved as a director of Congress, I was involved in, in kind of steering the decision-making process of my association and realized that the factors at play um, weren't always what I thought they should be. And uh, we really, sorry, I don't know why that ping, so I'll start again. It's not supposed to ping. Um, probably in 2014, when I first realized that this was happening and I was involved in a decision-making process around uh, a fairly large Congress at the time, and I, I didn't feel comfortable with the factors of decision-making that the committees and the board were, were putting forward and and I realized at the time that a lot of associations were working the same way. A lot of it was, was political, a lot of it was influence. Um, and I, I just kind of got frustrated with it. And then I started reading about this. And I and and probably around 2015, 2016 is when people first started uh, thinking and talking about legacy. I I found the business event Sydney, UTS reports. 
Um, and then kind of started this as a, as a research project, really. It was never meant to be a business project. I did not want to be a business owner, to be honest. Um, I When I left in 2017, I was happy to be a consultant. I was happy to be invited to talk about how PCOs and associations and destinations can work better together, having been in, in, in a bunch of different seats. Um, and then just became really, really interested in this whole impact of meetings, conversations, and quickly realized that there was actually very little written on it. And there was actually very little knowledge. And a little bit by accident, as I was alone now, um, I decided to start working in a co-working because I didn't want to stay at home, you know, staring at my computer and my four walls. So found myself immersed in the um, innovation seat in Montreal just by going to the co-working spaces and hanging out with cool kids doing kind of social and technical innovation um, and then started following, you know, conversations and webinars and in social impact and, and social theory and just absorbed it like you know I I just kind of fell into the into the pots of, of magic potion I just absorbed the whole thing I loved it I thought it was so smart and so so witty and I couldn't understand that we hadn't really applied this to our industry it kind of felt like we were a little behind um, and that's that's how the project started it was a research project and and I just kind of developed this thinking of, okay, here's social impact theory. Um, how do we apply this to meetings? And can we do anything with it? Um, the whole thing was very scholarly at the beginning, <laughs> probably a bit, um, probably a bit complicated. And that's what people tell me that I'm a little complicated, but it does come from academic theories and it, it, it really is grounded in, in kind of knowledge that people have been applying to international development world foundation work for years but I guess no one had thought of applying it to to our industry fascinating so genesis let's let's go a little bit deeper there but before we do that um I often ask guests how do you describe to family and friends that aren't familiar with the industry what you do I tell them that I help events solve global problems. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> does, that, does that work? No, no, it, no, it doesn't. Um, I, I'll, I'll paraphrase what um, Jacques, who is a friend and uh, was the co-founder of Meet for Impact, he's still on our board. Um, he, he just explains it by saying, when there is a big meeting in town, 5,000 people flying and 5,000 people fly out, and there's usually nothing left behind except the souvenir of a great event. So what we do is, is make sure that when these 5,000 people come into town, something is being created that is long-lasting, and the town will remember that these people came in and there's a reason for them to come in. Um, that will usually work, but honestly, even when I organized meetings, people still didn't understand what I what I did. And even though I haven't done logistics of conferences in about six years, a lot of my friends still think, oh, you're in events, aren't you? And I just go, yes. And, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, we get that a lot. So I think it's it raises a very interesting point. But let's let's jump into this uh theory of impact and really it would be great if you could give us a 
you know, a short overview of what is um, discussed or what are the theories or what are the methods that are in sociology or other kind of um, areas that are in place that have yet or that you're working to bring into business events. But before we jump into the events side, let's understand what, what's out there. Okay. If we, if we look at social innovation, for example, which is really what this is about, um, it's, it's about solving old social problems with new ideas. Right? At, at its leanest, that's what social innovation is. Um, and we've always viewed events as something being educational and, and uplifting. But the whole idea that you can use any activity to solve a problem um, in our world is, is fairly new. But in the social innovation world, it's existed for, for 30 years. So the theories that I've looked at is uh, are based on a theory called the theory of change, which is basically a framework that has been developed and that is being used by most uh, international organizations use theories of change. The big foundations use the theory of change. The EU, when they give grants, use the theory of change. Um, it's, it's a logic model by which we develop a theory on how we will create change. Um, basically, so it's it it replaces one. You could could say it replaces traditional kind of waterfall strategic planning techniques, um, and what it does do is it forces one to think about not what they want to create, but what change they want to affect. So it kind of projects an activity of an organization much further in time, and it forces someone to start thinking about what that change looks like in five years, in 10 years, and then work its way back as and, and kind of break it down into small components over time uh, and looks at how that big change is dependent on a series of outcomes that are generated by anything you do, whether it's your economic activity, whether it's an event, whether it's a campaign, but anything an organization does will have a cascading effect or not um, and create possible change in the long run. So what I've done is, first of all, really understood what the theory of change was, what the theory behind intentional and deliberate actions to create change. And this is where we go into a territory where everyone, you know, a lot of people will tell you events create impact by default. Of course they do. They create impact by default. Anything you do creates impact by default. But what the theory of change and that framework and that thinking enables us to do is to say, if we do it intentionally and deliberately, not only will it create impact, but you will be able to understand how that impact is created. You'll be able to identify the cost to effect relationships with what you're generating. And thus, you'll be able to communicate about it. You'll be able to amplify it. You'll be able to enhance what factors are actually delivering good impact. And you're going to be able to report on it. So the idea is to take what exists, which is impact from events, and try to understand how that gets. It's, it's a mental construct. How does that impact happen? 
who can actually enable it and activate it? What are the different levers that one could push to make sure that maximum impact arises? Um, and then how would you how would you track it? How would you monitor it? How would you be able to communicate about? It? How would you be able to report on it? And ultimately, the end result is always about learning to do it better and and to scale it, you know, and and really kind of replicate and scale it at the end. Um, so that's how I took something that exists on social action. So a, a foundation will have different programs. They will; these programs will be serving different populations, different groups. They will have a theory of change on how ultimately, you know, if you're working on on um, and childhood nutrition, for example, you'll have different programs that all ultimately will probably revert back to childhood nutrition. You may work with mothers, for example, poor mothers making sure they get what they need when the child is young. They may they may work with children in school. They may work with educators. So they'll have different tracks. And ultimately, this all links to one program outcome, which is ch children are you know less hungry, better food security, better nutrition. Same thing with events. So through an event, you might be looking at um, for example, enhancing sector growth. If you're in a life, if you're in um, kind of a, a medical meeting, for example, you'd be ultimately aiming for better population health. So your event is kind of a lever. It's a driver of impact to get to population health. And out of that event, you may work on doctors, you may work on patient groups, you may work on non-medical health professionals, you may work on um, family caregivers, right? So you may have different tracks on which your event will be affecting change, ultimately resulting in one big impact, which is better health. Um, so that's how we kind of break it down and, um, and apply it. And so we're always talking here about societal or social impact? Is that the main focus? Or are you also looking at environmental impact or any other types of impact? So societal to us means anything that affects society or planet. So we've developed uh, at Major Impact, we've developed a framework where we look at eight categories of impact. Um, there, it's actually based on the capitals uh, framework. So, you know, natural capital, built capital, political capital, human, social, cultural. Um, so financial is one of them, right? So societal just means it affects society. Um, and, and economic impact, financial impact is, is super important. It's, it's a key uh, it's a key output and outcome of meetings. The problem is we've never really been able to explain how the input, I don't call it impact, in economic input into a city generated by an event is an investment of money, right? It's, it's currency being brought into the destination. That is not an impact. The impact is how that changes people's lives, how it enables businesses to grow, how it trickles down to community well-being, how it helps sectors develop and serve their population. We've, we've always been extremely bad at explaining how that dollar that gets invested into a destination by a visitor ends up being um, a dollar that's going to help for social and economic development. So for us, economic is part of that, but we're looking at what the actual outcome of those dollars would be 
on, you know, a lot of it is business growth, sector growth, um, on population well-being, um, on development of organizations. In some cases, I live in Canada, so we're going to want to look at how it supports indigenous populations or less, you know, less uh, less privileged demographics who who actually don't really have access to meetings or meeting outputs. So societal, Miguel, is kind of anything that affects society and planet. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. Sounds fascinating, very interesting. It also sounds incredibly complex. So I'd like to maybe talk a little <laughs> bit about how how do we could make measure it? this? Yeah, right? how do because, we make it? You know, you're you're kind of defining impact <laughs> as absolutely everything, and obviously you want to encourage organizations to create bigger impacts and to create more important impacts if if that's even possible, but how can you do that? How can you accurately measure that in some way, or at least you know be able to compare between different events or different organizations? Give me a give me a little bit of insight there, because I am curious. <laughs> um, the first thing I will always it's it is complex, right? It's it's difficult. It's it, the measurement of of social impact is never going to be a calculator or an excel grid where people's going you know where people are going to plug in some numbers um and i think we're looking for a quick solution most people are looking for an easy solution and i would say a lot about half of the um clients either destination or associations that come to me probably more destinations the first thing they say is how do we measure our, our impact right and i said well do you know how you're actually creating your impact? Well, yeah, we have meetings. We just want to measure them. So the first thing I can say is you can't measure what you haven't mapped and what you're not managing. And if, if you don't understand it, you can't measure it. So while the measurement conversation is usually the entry conversation, it actually is kind of the last step. So if we take, for example, the theory of change, um, and one that has done this recently very well is EASL, the European Association for the Study of Liver. You may have seen that they just came out with uh, an impact report from their last legacy project. It's breaking it down into different chunks, right? So they took what they wanted to do, which was a legacy project. It was an education project around the event. Is kind of a short-term project. They broke it down in steps. So what the theory of change enables you to do is enables you to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do A and B, and the immediate output of that are going to be C, and then D is going to happen very shortly after, and potentially E may happen you know, a couple of months down the line. And then we have a hypothesis that F, G, and H will happen in a much you know, longer time frame. So by, by breaking it down, they can actually 
divide the measurement into different steps. So they've decided to have indicators over time that was going to enable them to report not on the big impact at the end, but how what they did is progressing. So the first response to measurement is that it always require a blueprint first to be able to develop a measurement strategy. And while people think measurement is about that big impact at the end, it's not. It's about being able to report on your progress through different indicators, first thing. The second thing is it's always going to be a mix of figures and stories. The more you go into social impact, the more the best way to report on it is through storytelling. And unfortunately, people want figures and figures you can have. So you can talk about how an event has created learning. You could be capturing, for example, the investment that are being linked to this event, right? But the problem with that is, A, it's going to be probably months, potentially years before that actually happens. B, unless you've created a construct where you have mapped how the different things that have happened around the event has generated this impact, you're never going to be able to tie it to demonstrate that that investment was actually linked to the meeting. That can only be done through stories. So the quantitative data, the measurement bits are going to tell you, yes, it happened or no, it didn't happen. It can even tell you how much happened, but it will never tell you why and it will never tell you how. And that's why the qualitative, the storytelling around measurement is super, super important. And that will never come out of an Excel grid or an, an online platform. It will only come out of people collecting other people's stories and being able to trace it back to what they did, what they invested in. So we're working with a number of destinations right now who are parallel to developing some legacy and impact strategies with their clients, measuring some outputs via surveys and things like that. They've also invested in a whole storytelling strategy, which comes and gets kind of the rich information on top of these, of these metrics. The other thing I can say is all of the measurement strategies that we're developing now have two levels. So one level is about the event itself. What does the event want to achieve? What does the association want to achieve with their event, right? So what kind of change does that event itself create for its community of practice and for the community? So there's one set of metrics that are event specific, and they have to talk about the objectives of the event and the objective of the event owner. The second set of metrics is how those event and how the event success feeds into, for example, the destination strategy at a broader level. So if they have KPIs on innovation, if they have KPIs on sector growth, if they have KPIs on community involvement and engagement, they need to have KPIs on how the individual event success will feed back into the broader kind of destination KPIs. So we're really looking at measurement on kind of two different tracks. Very interesting. So one thing I'm kind of curious is 
why is it that destinations are more interested in doing this than associations or the organizations <laughs> putting on events? So, I, you know what, this is the big, this is the big question. And a lot of us working in this space are a bit at a loss to explain um, why it's actually still a destination-led conversation. Um, I think associations are now starting to take notice and, and case studies such as the one that Easel published in the fall, I think is going to go a long way into convincing others to, to come on board. Um, I have a couple of hypotheses, but, uh, you know, I know you're going to quote me on this. I would say don't quote me on this, but of course you'll quote me on this. But um, So one of them is associations by default are for or purpose organizations. And a lot of them are just assuming that this is enough, right? They've got a social mission. They have a social purpose. And that's what they put forward. And what we're actually finding is a lot of them don't have a whole lot of clarity on how that's creating change in society. So to be able to develop impact strategies around their event, they would have to have impact strategies around their mission and their, you know, their core activity. Associations are not event planners. That's not what they do. They serve a certain type of, of demographics. They, their members are the ones that are affecting change. The association is there to support those members doing that. But they're not in the business of events. So a lot of them will push back when you approach them about having an impact strategy for their events, because what they're ultimately looking at is having an impact, period, as an association. So I think one of the ways we could change that is really to go back to association and start working on impact strategies at the core association levels. The second reason I think why it's difficult to engage them is they, they go from one place to the other, right? So when when they invest in a in a city, it's very short term. It's very time based. The day, and I'm I'm sure you've been in this situation. I've certainly have. The day that the event is over, you know, you're packing these boxes. You're having a drink with your colleagues, and the next morning you're on a plane. And the next afternoon, you're, you know, if you're not taking a couple of days off, you're thinking about next year or you've already started thinking about next year. So their ability to invest heavily into localized strategies are, is very limited. So it's it's how do you how do you convince them to be able to empower their local counterparts, their local members to develop these strategies. I've had a lot of conversation with international associations that have said, we love the idea, but it's going to have to be done by the locals. Um, so I think, you know, a combination of those two. Um, and then the third one is, is resources. In Europe, we've got very kind of, you know, we've got associations that are a half person, you know, managing the secretariat, and then you've got huge associations. In the U.S., they're a lot more professionalized. You go to Latin America, 95% of the associations are volunteer-based. They don't even have infrastructure. So I think destinations, in a way, 
have more infrastructure, they have more understanding, they have closer relationship to social and economic development agencies, um, although that's still varying. But there's, there's a lot more resources and there's a lot more kind of professionalization there. Whereas association, it's, it's a very, very varied landscape. It does sound like organizations and associations uh, that put on events should be able to do this or could do this even um, outside of events, you know, as the as a, as an impact for their whole organization, right? And then the events would be a reflection of that and, and a part of the impact that they have, right? It's a it's a it's a it's a tool, right? It's a driver. It's it's one of the mechanisms they use. A lot of them. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation very early on with uh, with Tom Reiser about this with um, and he was he basically said, you know, I'm a lot more interested to find out how my world campaign is doing than 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 the impact of my event. Right. Because it's it's kind of a bigger it's a bigger undertaking for them. The methodology that we've developed actually works for any activity. It's we're we're working on events right now, but it could work on a campaign. It could work on anything. The the key is to really kind of have clarity on what kind of change you're wanting to affect. So, you know, to be honest, my goal for 2023 is associations. It's to to kind of break that barrier and start working a lot more directly with associations. Great. You mentioned something that you said, unfortunately. People want data, and really, that the stories are, are kind of more impactful, or at least more um, better for qualitative kind of insights. Could you expand on that a little bit? Because it, it does seem a little bit, you know, um, everybody likes good stories. You know, we're in the business of writing good stories. So obviously, that's something we're very interested in. But um, when you when you talk about impact, it does feel like you're alluding to let's measure this, let's do something that's very tangible. But then if you say that actually stories are the most important, it feels a little bit like marketing in some sense. So are mm. we talking about marketing or is there somewhere in between where is where the ideal kind of sweet spot is? <laughs> no, we're not talking about marketing. We're talking about constructing the story of how short-term KPIs and outcomes are going to generate long-term change. Because the kind of metrics that people want are the metrics linked to big changes. They're the ones that, you know, the ones that are the most telling, the most like, like that big investment that came into a city because of a meeting, right? Like that new innovation that cre that was created out of a meeting. We're looking for these big milestone things. We're looking for these big, you know, impactful stories, the big, the big uh, legacy document that was created from a from an event that that changed policy in 49 countries, right? We're, that's what we want. But unfortunately, no one's ready to measure that over the course of time. You would probably need to commit to a five to 10 year measurement strategy to be able to report on that. There is no one at the moment around the world that is doing that. No one. We're doing presently the biggest, I think, study that's been done or commissioned on this is the Destination Canada study that we're currently working on with Gaining Edge. It's three years worth of data. That's already an immense 
engagement and commitment from the part of Destination Canada to, for us to be collecting data for over three years. But it simply is beyond the capacity of any organization at the moment and the resources to be able to measure that over, over time. So what they can measure and what they can commit to measuring is short-term, short-term outcomes. What happens immediately after the event? We're now seeing some of our partners commit to maybe one year's worth of data. But after that, you're kind of left to accident, right? It's, are we going to find out by accident that something happened? So where the storytelling comes into play is if you can get short-term data and, and you can get data that's you know within what you can measure. So your immediate partners and your attendees is pretty much where, you know, as far as you can go. How do you develop on that data to put forward hypotheses that these this data is going to create long-term change? And if you find out by accident that this company came in and did an investment or moved their headquarters or, you know, this innovation five years later is actually attributed to these two persons meeting at an event, at least you're going to be able to track it back because you had a plan, you had measured some short term, you know, um, metrics and you kind of had a hypothesis on how this could eventually generate longer term change. You can you can weave that narrative and you can kind of create you will never be able to attribute 100 percent of the success of any big impact to a specific event. Right. There's always a multitude of factors that's going to impact in the end. But at least you're going to be able to trace it back and you're going to be able to say, we did this in you know, 2023, we did this, we had these people involved, we put this in place, we had measured the intention, for example, to invest or we had the, measured the intention to you know, have a follow-up conference or that kind of thing, and then you can, you can create your story. So that's where the storytelling comes in, is to be able to connect the dots and to be able to put the data in context and make that data speak. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. It, it sounds, and correct me if I'm, if I'm hearing this wrong, but it sounds like you want to measure as much as you can short term. You want to kind of uh, put your intentions out there and make them very visible and obvious. But then there is a whole number of, you know, it's hard to measure data. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of million things that can happen. Lots of different directions can things can go. But once you see some results or there are some things happening that could be related to that, you want to be able to connect those dots at a later time. It's not you know, scientifically proven that X equals Y, but at least if you define what X is, you can then say, hey, Y happened. And we believe that because of X had some impact on, on Y happening. Yeah. I'll give you an example that's, that's really telling. Um, in 2018, Edmonton at City in Canada hosted the um, the inter international panel on climate change or intergovernmental panel on climate change, the IPCC conference, which is a major conference on climate change, right? Um, and out of working on that event, the whole city of Edmonton has adopted really progressive climate action 
policies, which now is looking at having, for example, a climate neutral convention center, uh, very aggressive uh, climate action policies across the city, which carries into Explore Edmonton, which is the agency um, responsible amongst others for attracting business events. But that story gets recounted verbally when you ask them, but no one has ever documented it. And it is that it's one of those cases where there was a trigger. Probably it's not solely responsible for the climate action plan that that we're seeing in place five years later. But through our study for Destination Canada, we're going to try to recreate that story. We're going to try to go back in time and understand what the different turning points were and what the different factors were. Obviously, you had to have you know, um, aware councillors and, and, and a mayor and people in place that already were, you know, were thinking about this. You had to have policies pa- passed. You had to have infrastructure that was developed. So you, there's a, a, a bunch of things that happened at the same time. But can we trace it back to the IPCC conference? And how do we do that? And that will be part data you know, part things that we can find in documents and, you know, yes, there was a law passed this day. Yes, there was this much investment into infrastructure, but it's also going to be done through stories. It's going to be done through people telling us what happened and why it happened. I think that makes a lot of sense. And for uh, for journalists, uh, I think that that's really helpful because you can then, you know, hopefully connect the dots and um, make everything, uh, round everything up in some sense. It's funny that you talk about journalists because when I work with my clients on developing communication strategies around impact, I always say journalists are really good at doing this, actually. You know, there's always, when journalists write stories, they will usually do their research and they will go back and they'll be able to to kind of quote you, for example, that, you know, in English, uh, in England on this date, there was a study that proved that if you educate kids about climate change between 10 and 12, they get 17% more chances of changing their behavior, that kind of thing, right? That's the kind of things that we would use to then go to an event who does want to go into a school and do a lecture to kids 10 to 12 on environment and they will come out and then say, well, these are the outcomes of what we did for the event. We educated these kids. The impact is we've now got kids, you know, better educated on environmental conservation, preservation. And then we will create the story that it has been proved been proved elsewhere that that's the right age where you should educate kids because that's when they're habit forming. Therefore, we can have a hypothesis that through this event, and their activity, we're going to see an increase of environmentally conscious behaviors for kids, for example. So that's how that whole thing is a mix of data. It's a mix of research. It's a mix of, of storytelling. Yep, makes perfect sense. Thanks for taking us through that. It's, it is, like, like we said, a kind of complex, but it's interesting when you kind of get a bigger picture of it and then kind of come out the other side. So I want to start wrapping up. Uh, really appreciate you sharing all this with us and, and taking the time to go into this detail. Um, I, I, I have two last questions. Um, before we come to the last one, I just wanted to maybe ask you, you you've been developing this, this business, this project, you've been working with these destinations. Um, 
there are challenges you've mentioned a few already but are there any is there is there one biggest challenge one significant challenge that you would like to see the industry overcome is there something that you'd like to see change in business events that you think would really kind of drive things forward um <laughs> i would like to see more people being curious about big ideas and and taking on the challenge for these big ideas and i'm seeing more and more people that want to change and get out of their comfort zone but unfortunately they're all always being brought back down by you know a question of money or a question of this is what we've got to do we've got to bring meetings in right that's that's our core kpis so i'd like to see the system change so that people are allowed to start thinking about big ideas and that change become becomes something that they're being authorized to think about one of the most frequent thing i'm being told when i do workshops is people say i get this i love it i would like to start doing this i'm being told i'm not authorized to work on it and you would be surprised how many business development managers would really be interested in working a bit more on impact and are just being crushed and 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 told they can't because you know financially they can't afford to is is oh, the yeah. case then to be made for the storytelling about the power of storytelling needing to improve <laughs> because it yeah. sounds like there needs to be some storytelling within organizations for it to move forward yeah and and you know what that storytelling is called a business case <laughs> <laughs> we need business cases so uh, fortunately there is there is a few destinations that are doing it well now that are going to help i mean i think that copenhagen and and sydney and you know flanders of this world are helping the others develop their business case um but we're probably a couple of years from from the smaller um, more kind of destination marketing organizations to really take that on. But yeah, I I dare dream that the business events um, industry and the people in it are going to allow themselves to have big ideas. Thanks for that. That's an excellent thought to conclude on. Um, so if you have a last question, who should we have on the podcast as a guest? Your recommendation, I would love to get one. <laughs> Okay, I'll get. I'll give you two. Um, one uh, gentleman out of Scotland called Rory Artibald, um, visit Scotland executive, has recently started his business um, where he's supporting business events stakeholders in developing um, EDI strategies, so equity, diversity, inclusion strategies. I think it's called New Intent. Um, he's a really smart guy. He's got great ideas, and I'm really thrilled to see him develop a, a value proposition out of supporting the industry. The other person that I think we should be talking to more is Rick Taylor. What is coming out of Africa right now is outstanding. Um, there is so much potential for impact. You know, you take a meeting to an African capital and you take it to a European capital and you could 
you can easily guess that the potential for supporting local growth and development and social policies of that same meeting is so much greater in Africa. And we're just not really paying attention. Um, so I, I, I think he's got a role to play. Um, he's been playing it, um, but I would love to, to hear him more. We've had Rick on the podcast already. You have? We've then, had. then you must then 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 I must listen to it. Has yes. it is it recent? It is around the time of IMAX. So it's it's a few months old now, eight, nine months old. But yeah, we had a chat with him at IMAX and that became a podcast recording. And I've known Rick for a long time. So it's always good to chat with him and all the work he's doing in Africa is always so impressive. Absolutely. Genevieve, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure uh, catching up with you and understanding a little bit more about your business, the idea of e uh, impact and, and how that works in, in the grander scheme of things. Um, and yeah, wish you lots of success for the year and ahead and continuation of, of your great work. Thank you, Miguel. I hope I was able to make some sense out of it. And I will only truly rest when I feel that there's been a, a major transformation in the industry. So thanks for your part in playing uh, and the part that you're playing. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us.